Bachman, Sonny Gray, Matt Harvey, Robbie Ray, Matt Shoemaker, Matt Schumacher, Joe DiMaggio, Boba War, OBP, Hearted Wraith, ADP, Southpaw Slits, Pine Tar Mix, Wolf Wado, Throw a No No. All right, a busy Friday podcast here on April 7th. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk about Matt Harvey. We're going to talk about Yasiel Puig, some bullpen stuff, and get you ready for Fantasy Week 2. But are you hiring? If you are, ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Slash strike. Adam Azer and Heath Cummings, we are waiting for Scott White to join us. Scott's in the bullpen right now. Well, uh, Scott just walked in. Alright, we're gonna tap our, our right arm and bring Scott in soon. But, uh, good yeah. morning, Heath. It, it's understandable. Scott bat- battling a little bit of a Hanniger over. <laughs> ah. After which Hanniger hit his first home run. That's nice. I like that. Hanniger over. I I am very happy with Mitch Haniger. I'm encouraged by, even though the batting average is pretty low, you've got a steal, you've got a homer, and you've got him batting second in the Mariners' order. I I would say that walks. Mitch Haniger is a week one riser. Bunch of walks, too, um, but also a bunch of strikeouts. He struck out in about a half of his at-bats, I think. So, obviously dealing with a small sample, and strikeouts weren't a big problem for him in the minors. But it's just worth pointing out. It hasn't been... Hasn't been all roses. It's not like he's been Travis Shaw or anything. No. <laughs> well, who has? Two, wait, two walks for Travis Shaw yesterday? Yeah, they really did a nice job adjusting. They're obviously starting to pitch around Travis Shaw now, <laughs> yeah. and he's being patient and uh, waiting for them to throw to him. So more. What's what do we have in greater number this year? Travis Shaw walks or Kansas City Royals wins? Definitely Travis Shaw walks, and I would expect that will continue uh, at least until Monday's podcast. All right, so email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We do have your emails to read. We'll look at two-star pitchers. We'll take a look at the most added list. Uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff from from yesterday and, and uh, looking into the future. All right, biggest week one riser. Let's start with that. And Heath Cummings, your biggest week one riser. And Heath, how about don't say Travis Shaw? Yeah. I'm going to say another. I'll say one of Scott's favorite guys. I'll say Brandon Finnegan. Ah, that's who I was going to say. Yeah, Brandon Finnegan. And one of the reasons he's one of the biggest week one risers is because he was, even for Scott, way, way down in the rankings. So he's just got a lot of room to move up, and a lot of those pitchers that were in front of him we weren't exceptionally excited about. Yeah, he's the one player who, um, well, I maybe if, even if you include closer situations, because no no closer has actually lost his job yet. But, um, yeah, Finnegan's the one who has gone from kind of a fringy 50% owned guy to I think must own now after that first start with the nine strikeouts, one hit against the Phillies, uh, especially since there were reasons to believe he was on the verge of the breakout late last year. I will say uh, there's another pitcher that has had a similar transition and that would be Greg Holland with three saves in four days looked dominant again on Thursday mm-hmm. he was a guy that I in a two like in a, just a standard points league I wasn't even that excited about drafting him and now I'd say he's must start if I have to go if you want me to throw a new name for yeah. my biggest riser 
from the first week, uh, I'll take a Heath player because I think it's Travis Shaw. <laughs> I think Travis Shaw is somebody who uh, I'm making sure is owned in all my leagues, and I'm not. He already I'm was. Not, well, no, I, I mean, look at look at the way Travis Shaw started last year. He started hot then too, and the year before, um, and the year before, yeah. and then he was awful, yeah. and that, that's why I'm not fully buying in because when well, when I know she, it's it's not about fully buying in. This kind of ties into what you I, I heard your segment yesterday about what you were saying about the waiver wire and and you and i are kind of on the same page about that adam who um players everybody enters the season with players who aren't universally owned you know their last couple picks um they may not have like if 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 one of those guys who you drafted late who not everybody wanted in the first place doesn't get off to a great start you can drop them without worrying about losing them to somebody else and use that roster spot instead on a player with some breakout potential who's making tons of noise and is under the in within view of everybody. Travis Shaw right now you're at risk of losing to somebody else. I don't know if it's for real, but I think there's a good enough chance it is that I'd rather devote a roster spot to him than um I don't know, some some who who's a pitcher who was kind of drafted, but like Michael Pineda. <laughs> actually, that was the first name that came to mind for me too. Um, well, how about like I'll give you guys who are owned in about the same amount of leagues as Shaw. He's fifty nine percent owned. Hyunjin Ryu is fifty percent owned. Hasn't pitched yet. Yeah, I'd drop him for Shaw quickly. Um, Kendall Graveman is fifty five percent owned. Yep. Yep. Uh, some hitters. How about how about Randall Grichik, seventy four percent owned. Uh-uh. Nope. I would. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like Randall Grichik's upside so high that. Um, I feel like they have about I, the same upside. Yeah. So why not take the guy everybody everybody else wants right now, as opposed to the one who. Um, only he, he has a better chance of sneaking through, I think, than Shaw does. Only for me, because there are like thirty-five third basemen that are off to a hot start and or <laughs> elite already. So I, I probably am not as at need at that position as I am in the outfield. All right, how about a week one faller? Uh, actually, can I just go back to Finnegan real quick, quick because sure. um, I just want to – I agree. I mean, I'm very encouraged by Finnegan. He had an amazing start. I just want to mention that while Finnegan was really, really good at the end of last year, uh, last 11 starts, he had a – come on, baseball reference, do the calculations. He had a 2.23 ERA. But he did walk 28 batters in 60 and two-thirds. That was very encouraging in the first start that Finnegan did not have struggle, uh, struggles with his control. But it is just something to watch with him. That is going to be the big thing for Finnegan is is, uh, is the walks. And, and and the Phillies might be the matchup that, you know, like, like Vince Velasquez had that Padres start last year. Mm. We'll see about the Phillies. I'm not disagreeing but, at all about Finnegan. I'm just saying. Well, the Phillies Finnegan, really have one good right-handed hitter. The like the the real the real clincher for Finnegan is that he has a two-start week coming up, and the second of those starts is against Milwaukee, the team that struck out more than any other last year, and two of its biggest hitters, Travis Shaw and Eric Thames, bat left-handed. Okay, and you figure Thames might be out of the lineup for that one. Biggest week one faller. Um, I'm gonna. I didn't have this guy that high, but it's one of the biggest week one issues I'm most concerned with, and that's Byron Buxton. Mm, yeah, so he, Buxton is terrible right now. He's uh, one for 14 with seven strikeouts. And he has a broken nose. And he's No, and no, he has, that's Keon Broxton has a broken nose. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Buxton, Broxton. Yeah, he's... And he's I had them both on my sleepers list. Just been completely awful so far. There's only three players that have struck out more than Buxton already this year. Do you know who they are? Players that... People have more than seven strikeouts already? Three players have eight already this year. No, I don't. Uh Nick Markakis. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. Jake Lamb. I think he faced two lefties already, so that makes a little bit he more did, sense. Yeah. And then Jonathan VR. Yeah, VR striking out a ton. Struck out half of his at bats. I don't like that. Uh, look, let's just put the whole asterisk. It's it's early. We know it's early. We're not overreacting. But this is not what you wanted to see from Yasiel Puig. Right, would you drop? I'm not not Puig. Sorry, from Byron Buxton. I was looking ahead in the notes. We'll get Puig has been awesome. Uh, would you drop Buxton for Shaw? Yes. No, I wouldn't. And that's, I mean, the difference between Buxton and, and like, Gritchick, the upside, I don't think, compares. I Yeah, I, at this point, Buxton's upside's all kind of theoretical. Sure, but everything's theoretical right now. All right, Scott, is there a week one faller for you? Um, Hasn't even been a full week. It's been three or four yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, if I could go the obvious route and say Sam Dyson. Yeah, yeah. sure. You can. Um, that's your I right. Yeah. I can't imagine if he has a third outing like his first two that he will be getting the next save chance after that. Okay. We've talked about Matt Bush or somebody you want to speculate on. Yep. Let's look at Thursday's action. Double dongs from four hitters. Can I just say this is my favorite new segment of the show? Double dongs? (laughs) I figured it would be. Yasiel Puig. He is now 5 for 12 with three home runs. Five RBIs, five runs, one steal, four walks, and one strikeout, and a double. Uh, Puig hit 19 home runs as a rookie in 104 games with 11 steals. And since then, he has not really come close to those rates. He had 16 home runs in 148 games the following year with 11 steals. But again, that was in 44 more games. That year, by the way, 2014, 37 doubles, 9 triples. So he stopped being a home run hitter. He was an extra base hitter. But Puig is off to a brilliant start. It's you know He homered twice off Jared Weaver. They have faced pretty bad pitching so far, uh, and they've dominated the Padres, except for Clayton Richard. Um, but you didn't mention mention him as a riser. Clearly, Puig is, is on people's minds, and he's off to a great start. What's your take on it? He would have been Chris Towers' riser if Chris was on the podcast today, except oh. Chris already had him ranked like he was going to do this. Oh, Chris, Mr. Chris Towers, who went and picked up Alex Cobb yesterday. I'm an idiot, by the way. Rule number one of the waiver wire is make sure you look at everybody who's available, because I'm sitting there deciding between Charlie Morton and Willie Peralta. Didn't even realize Alex Cobb was available. And then it's a bad Chris, job by you. It's a terrible job. Chris got him. I'm, I would say I am cautiously optimistic with Puig. Um... Like, it, this could very well be a breakout to everything we hoped he was going to be, and it, that's a non-zero chance, as Scott would say. But <laughs> As Scott I would say, would that's my say. expression now. <laughs> but it's also really early, and we've yeah. seen outstanding flashes from Puig so many times in the past. I I mean, I'm encouraged. I have, I have a lot of shares in Puig. I may own him in, like, half my leagues um, because I, I, I liked him as a sleeper coming in. I like like some of the changes he made in September. I read more about the changes he was working on this spring. I think just two days ago I was reading about it. Uh, he worked with their hitting coach, Turner Ward, and his teammate, Justin Turner, to make one of the changes Turner made a couple years ago, which is the change so many hitters are making in the game today, elevating the ball, hitting it in the air more. 
and uh, to to take advantage to take better advantage of that raw power that it's visibly apparent he has. So that he's leading the majors in home runs already, and I understand two came off Jared Weaver, and Jared Weaver's terrible, but it's still hard not to be encouraged. All right, that's Yasiel Puig. I guess I'll just ask: Would you put the sell high tag on Yasiel Puig? If you could get like top twenty outfield, top twenty five outfield value for him, yes. Okay. I don't think you probably can quite yet. Uh, Matt Kemp homered twice yesterday, both off Matt Harvey, and Harvey was really good yesterday, except when he faced Matt Kemp. But Kemp is six for thirteen with two home runs and four doubles already, one walk, three strikeouts. A reminder, he was the number 10 outfielder in points, number 15 in Roto last year. And with Atlanta, he actually had very good plate discipline, or it got better anyway. 20 walks in 56 games and an 885 OPS. So not, I don't know if there's much to say here, but, but Matt Kemp is picking up where he left off. Yeah, he is. He had, those two home runs were two of only three hits Matt Harvey gave up. Yeah. And they were, they were shots too. And it's also good for Freeman. You know, people speculate that one of the reasons Freddie Freeman broke out late, I don't know if this is true, but Matt Kemp protecting him in the order can't be a bad I, thing. I, as somebody who was watching Braves games with some regularity, like it was, it was, it was very apparent to me the, the difference, just his presence, like a legit power hitter in the middle lineup versus having none made for for the rest of the lineup up and down just in terms of how opposing pitchers had to approach the Braves like that's the kind of stuff baseball being such an individual game I don't think we have a great understanding of how one player can impact an entire lineup but it just it just really seemed that way once he came over can I just say skip ahead to a segment called baseball is dumb Baseball is dumb because this whole you can't assume the double play thing, it drives me crazy. I'm sure, Heath, you saw it. Jason Hamill, runners on first and third, one out. He already had a run in in the inning. Taylor made double play to Mondesi. Mondesi boots it. I think it was Mondesi. He boots it. Was it only get one out instead of two. It yeah. was as double play as you can get. And you can't score it an error because you can't assume a double play. So it was an <laughs> earned run that event scored later in the – oh, no, it should have been the end of the inning. So the runner from third scored. Two runs in. Should only have been one. They both were earned. I just – baseball is dumb. Change yeah, the scoring. So you're a Jason Hamill owner, huh? I, I yes, I am. I <laughs> think the problem is – I mean, they're already so willy-nilly with errors. And for the most part, like pitchers love errors because that helps their ERA. But nobody else likes them. The hitter loses a, a hit a lot of times. The fielder it makes them look bad. I don't care. I don't care about they, hurting they people's change feelings. They errors sometimes just because people call up to the scorer and complain about it. Now, you can assume a double play. Like, we know what a double play looks like. Well, how do you feel about a ground rule double, Adam? I'm fine with a ground rule double. You, you, could, should we Should we just assume it would only be a double? Uh, I mean, I know it's very frustrating. I don't know. What about know. when it's an error and, and they only reward the runner one base when he's already rounding that base? Because uh, the ball goes in the stands on the error. Well, actually it happened, it happened in a game two days ago. It was, oh, it was when Francisco Lindor threw the ball away and I think it was Gallo, whoever, yeah, Joey Gallo scored from second base. So, I, yeah, go ahead. I don't like judgment calls. You know, you, it's you, not a judgment call. It was a double play. Errors are already judgment calls. It was a double play. 
They're already entirely that's, that's, judgment calls. That's purely scoring. I'm talking about the umpire. The umpire would make the call whether or not the double play could be. No, he's not saying it should have been an automatic double play. He's saying the, right, it should have been sorry. an unearned run right, for sorry, Chase I'm Campbell. Getting confused yeah, there. yeah, you're right. We are just talking about scoring. Okay. Let's go back to double dongs. Okay. That's, we're better at that. Double dongs. Um, we don't care about this, right? Giovanni Soto and Daniel Nava combined for four home runs yesterday. In a two-catcher AL-only league, Giovanni <laughs> Soto could be a guy to add if you're waiting on Wilson Ramos. Okay. <laughs> All right, Thursday's standouts. Matt Harvey, let's start with him. Six and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, no walks, and four strikeouts, and he gave up those two solo home runs to Matt Kemp. Harvey threw 77 pitches, 55 strikes, nine swinging strikes. You want to talk about best shape of your life. This guy, He really did lose weight. He looks a lot different now on the mound. Um, I I would say good first step for Matt Harvey. What would you guys say? I think that's a good way to categorize it. It's with the two start week coming up. I'm not afraid to use him in those two starts, and I wasn't. I own. I have a lot of shares in Matt Harvey too. I wasn't starting him um, anywhere except I think a, lot, a league with daily moves. Well, because he was pitching against the Braves. No, just because <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, obviously there was. Um, Velocity wasn't consistent this spring, and the results weren't always very good. Uh, he was, what, around 94, 95 most of the night here, so not all the way back. I still think, yeah, he's on the right track with velocity. I think a month from now, he'll be basically the Matt Harvey we all know and love. And in the meantime, he showed with this start that he could still be useful. I, I totally think your attitude on this start is dependent on how much improvement you're projecting for Harvey throughout the season. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think you're going to start him next week, two starts at Philadelphia and at Miami. 100%, yes. Yeah, and we'll go from there. But I, I watched a lot of the start, and I thought I, – put it this way. I didn't think there was anything to be discouraged by, you know. I – Right. I didn't think the breaking pitches were great, but then I read this morning that he actually did very well with his slider. So what what do I know? Um, I thought he mostly used his fastball until the later innings, but but again, I could be wrong because I was flipping. And I don't really have much insightful things to say here. I just thought people asked me about it. I said, good first start, and you know we'll see what happens. We'll go from there. Uh, is anybody encouraged by Gio Gonzalez, 72% owned? He had one of the best starts of yesterday. Six innings, scoreless. Seven hits, uh, one walk, and seven strikeouts against Miami. Reading about it after the game, kind of talked. You know, Matt Wieters has a a bad pitch framing reputation, Scott, or a good one. Bad, bad. That's why he didn't sign for so long? Yeah, I don't know. They talked about Wieters kind of calming Gio Gonzalez down, who I guess is I don't I don't really like a little kind of in his own head when he starts. Um, but yeah, he he's off to a good start, just like he was last year, and then that that didn't go well. Well, anyone I, care? I'm encouraged because I thought he was undervalued uh, on drafts, so it's a positive. I just like it if he could just pitch to his peripherals. And he hasn't done that since 2013. He used to do it pretty regularly. The last three years, his ERA has been about a half to three quarters of a run higher. Um, if he could just pitch to his peripherals, he's going to be a, a very serviceable number three or four starter. All right, that's Gio Gonzalez. Would you rather have Gio or Alex Cobb? Gio. Um, I would rather have Alex Cobb. And, you know, obviously this was a great start for Gio, but after last year, when he was already coming off a very disappointing season, I, I'm, like, I, Gio's kind of 
DTM. <laughs> and he can maybe be resuscitated, but it'll take more than one start for that to happen. I just think he's, uh, the same concerns I have about Danny Salazar control efficiency issues. You could also apply to Gio Gonzalez, but with much worse strikeout potential. And Gonzalez had a 186 ERA through his first eight starts last year and then a 558 ERA rest of the season. I thought about adding Andrew Triggs in our podcast points league as Triggs is RP eligible. Triggs uh, gave up an unearned run on four hits in five and two-thirds. That's all great, but three walks, one strikeout, only three swinging strikes. But I went back, I looked last year, like he was a strikeout per inning, and he didn't walk a lot of batters at all. He didn't make that many starts. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, this this start wasn't really anything like Triggs last year. Uh, what do you think about him at twenty three percent owned? I think that's probably a little bit low, but he's not somebody I'm rushing out to add either. Are you only interested in Andrew Triggs in a Sparp league, Sparp situation? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and Mark Reynolds got to mention him again because he homered. He's seventeen percent owned. He's batting four sixty seven with two home runs right now. And well, he gets doubled in the last two days, so that's something. The ownership, yeah. Yeah. Should it keep going? Mark Reynolds, 17% owned? Uh, maybe a little bit farther. I, I think he maybe belongs more in where the Triggs range or a little bit higher, 25 to 30%. Okay. And in the bullpen, we'll get to the bullpen in just one second. I need to tell you about a tweet I got, though, the other day. I got a tweet from a listener who needs a new suit. I'm not making this up. True story. He asked me for the Indochino promo code. You should all do that. That promo code would be FBT, as in Fantasy Baseball Today. Use FBT at checkout on Indochino.com for 50% off. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Com. So I got my custom Indochino suit. I talk about it all the time. Fits me perfectly. Puts my other suits to shame. My I got my monogram on the lining. It looks awesome. And you know what else? Uh, my fiance actually likes it more than I do. So that's a, a nice little <laughs> added bonus for the men out there. And gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, you deserve a perfectly tailored suit. You deserve the best suit you've ever bought. You can do it all online. There's a reason Indochino is now the largest made-to-measure menswear brand in the world. So get any premium Indochino suit for just $3.89, a great deal, at Indochino.com when you enter FBT at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, and shipping is free. Indochino.com, promo code FBT for any premium suit for $3.89 with free shipping. All right, Blake, Blake Trine and blew a save. Can I say it wasn't really his fault? Came in with a runner on third and two outs, gave up a single. I'm not trying to blame him. All right. I don't think we should sound the alarms here. But, you know, he also did give up a run in his previous outing. So keep it in mind. Uh Neftali Feliz makes me hate myself. I, I just <laughs> $3 Neftali Feliz. What a stupid, stupid thing I did. And, I still think it's going to be fine, Adam. Uh, He's going to be their closer. He's going to strike out a lot of hitters and... Yeah. You know, he'll give up a home run on occasion, but it's not like he, this, it's not like this was a Sam Dyson level meltdown. No, it wasn't. He'll be fine. Uh, he gave up a home run to Nolan Arenado and, and lost the game in a non-save situation. Ken Giles struggled in a non-save situation. Two runs on two hits with a walk and three strikeouts. He took the loss. It was Giles' third time pitching in four games. I'm sure we all like Giles, but this is a guy who has, if he struggles, a guy like Luke Reckerson that could right. fill in. So. But I like I don't feel like this puts him in a situation where if he does it one more time he's in trouble. It's just like the first little chink in the armor. 
And I would just say, like, as a Dyson, or, excuse me, as a Giles owner, if he has one more bad outing, I will pick up Gregerson. I don't know that I would do it if I weren't a Giles owner, but I think it's yeah. worth insuring yourself. Uh, Drew yeah. Storen got the save for the Reds, and Rysel Iglesias threw 21 pitches the day before. Scott, your quick take on the Reds bullpen? I don't think the Brian Price is ready to go back to back days with Iglesias after he missed most of the second half of spring training. Um, and then Michael Lorenzen, this is interesting. He he had already been used as that in that game as a pinch hitter, and he hit a home run, the go ahead home run actually. <laughs> so obviously he wasn't available for the save. And do you know the last time how many years it's been since a pitcher hit a pinch hit home run? I saw it. I think it was. It was Mike Owings also for the Reds, right? It was Mike Owings, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And it was 2008, I think? Uh, it's been eight years, so it was 2009, I guess. Okay. Yeah, good job. Pretty good. And Greg Holland got the save, as Heath mentioned. All right, we have a lot to talk about today. Let's do this quickly. I'll throw it to Scott because he wrote the column. Scott, here's our email of the day. It's from Curtis. 12-team keeper league. Which prospect is the best up? To help me this year and going forward. Zimmer, Brinson, Bellinger. You want to add anyone else to that list, Scott? Let's talk quickly about prospects. I would put Moncada ahead of him, but he's probably highly owned already. But my my favorite after that, true prospect. Arias obviously is a minor leaguer, so you know, obviously he needs to be stashed, but true hasn't debuted yet. Prospect. Bradley Zimmer would be my first choice after the spring he had, the fact he's twenty-four. Indians, he's not exactly blocked with Lonnie Chisenhall being their primary right fielder. So, uh, power speed guy. I like Zimmer a lot. All right, let's do the worryometer then. And, uh, I'm going to give you some hitters who are off to bad starts. You tell me on a scale of zero to ten, how worried are you? Zero, not at all. Ten, uh, so <laughs> zero to ten for Nelson Cruz, <laughs> who's one for fifteen with a double, three walks, and seven strikeouts. He is 36 years old. I will go with 3.6. <laughs> He's. I thought he was 37. He will be 37 in just a couple months. Oh, okay. But by then he might be dropped. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Cruz is uh, battling the flu. He had battled it. He said it's not affecting him. Scott, where are you on Nelson Cruz? Zero to ten. Worryometer? Yeah. Zero. All right. Chris Bryant, 0 for 13 with six strikeouts. Zero. Um... Yeah, zero. <laughs> I had to think about that. Uh, <laughs> well, sorry, I'm I'm trying to help somebody on the media side of the site with a uh, uh, a GIF issue they're having, getting a GIF in an article. Apparently, I'm now nope. the GIF expert. Yeah, nobody knows GIFs like Scott White now. <laughs> you're, you're handling different emails while talking on the podcast. It's not. To Adam? It's not an email. It's G Chat. So there's kind of an. I try to give you my full attention. I Adam. I just oh, told please. him I was podcasting and I could walk him through it afterward. So Heath is, you have my undivided attention now, everybody. Sorry Heath, about that. Heath is on his cell phone. Like, you're always paying attention. There's never been a time where I catch you off guard. But there are times, and I didn't know this until I was in the office last week. You're, you're looking at that cell phone. What's Yeah, I don't know what's well, going on. I'm looking for breaking news on Twitter. I, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's right. my job to keep up with what's happening. <laughs> I know you are running the show, doing a masterful job, and don't have time to keep up with what's happening in baseball. And what if something happens during the podcast? I think it would be better for the listeners if we get it out right away. Could not agree more. Trey Turner, 0 to 10, worryometer. Tr- Turner's 2 for 13, 
No walks, four strikeouts. He does have two steals, though. Yeah, zero. I like that he has two steals, having done nothing at the plate so far. <laughs> I'm not going to give him a zero. Um, but just because he was drafted so much higher than I thought he should have been. 2.13. <laughs> Is he 21.3 years old? No, he's I, two for thirteen. I think oh. um, Heath's worryometer is way too precise. That's you, I like it. You just say zero on everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's three or four games. Um, Carlos Gonzalez. Carlos Gonzalez is two for sixteen with a walk and four strikeouts. One. Um, <laughs> zero. Carlos Beltran is eighty-six percent owned. He's three for sixteen, looking for his first extra base hit. No walks, four strikeouts, and Beltron uh, had a 7.76 OPS with the Rangers last year. After it was very patriotic. Eight. What do you mean? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, after it was 8.90 with the Yankees. So you know, I remember at the time of the trade, Chris thought his value went down because he, because Beltron was like sort of just barely homering with the Yankees, and he right. thought Yankee Stadium had a lot to do with that. The short wall. So, look, again, he's playing in a little band box now, but Beltron off to a bad start, 0-10. to 10. I'll go 5 on him, I, just because his age, he's kind of already exceeded my expectations the last couple years, and the Astros have other ways to configure their lineup. Actually, I got a tweet last night from somebody, and this is maybe a perfect example of um, Give, dropping a player who you drafted late who doesn't really have upside for a player who's doing big things now, like a Travis Shaw. Um, I, I advised a guy to go ahead and drop Beltron for Mitch Hanniger just because I feel like you're less likely to miss Beltron than you would the best version of Hanniger if Hanniger becomes that. Okay. Uh, 3.9. 3.9 for Beltron? Is he 39? Yes. Okay. What is, what is that scientist, like the term you learn in like physics class for like, you know, obviously, if you have this long decimal, you reduce it down to, and there's like a specific scientific term for what the length of the decimal that you're supposed to show is. I can't think of what it is. Hmm. I don't know. I was never good at science. <laughs> never good. And uh, Yuli Gurriel is one for 13 with no walks and two strikeouts. Nine. Yeah, I could see him getting dropped. Not that you have to, but I could see it happening. Uh, news and notes, Keon Broxton, as we mentioned, he was hit by a pitch in the helmet. He has a slight broken nose, slightly broken nose, but apparently Broxton will not be placed on the DL. Uh, so Broxton, like you saw, drop, drop Beltron, whatever. Broxton off to a bad start. How droppable is Keon Broxton? I still love the upside, but it's, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where if he starts to lose playing time, it could it could go south for him very quickly. Um, with the Brewers have so many having so many alternatives, but you know, a week where he hasn't quite lived up to expectations, and now he has the broken nose. He's the one with the broken nose. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him a little longer. Yeah, I think he's too highly owned at 83. percent All right. The the Tigers move Jordan Zimmerman's start back from Thursday to Saturday because he's been sick. So if you own Zimmerman and you can sit him, I I don't know. I don't. I think they're playing Boston actually. So I w- I don't think that's a little bit risky. A guy who's been sick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I hate myself because in in Tout Wars this <laughs> week I started Finnegan. I mean I started Zimmerman over Finnegan. Ooh. 
Oh, Can't wow. imagine that's going to turn out too well for me. I started, is that worse than I started a two-star Patrick Corbin over Carlos Carrasco? I think it's worse because Cor- Corbin still has a chance to redeem himself. Okay, I'll ask you on Monday then. Okay. Uh, Garrett Richards is going to have an MRI on his biceps. The Angels are saying it's precautionary, but that's never good. Uh, the Yankees reportedly, according to the Daily News, will not pursue Masahiro Tanaka if he opts out of his contract after this season because they are worried about his arm. So if they're worried, then, you know, that's not good. But uh, what are you going to do? Steven Piscotty came in as a defensive replacement yesterday. Uh, the Red Sox moved their rotation around a little bit. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to pitch Saturday at Detroit after yesterday's rainout. And I think Chris Sale is losing his second start. Is that true or no? Well, they, maybe not because they're moving Pomeranz to Tuesday. So maybe not. Do we know if Garrett Cole lost his second start? Um, I, let me, let me check. I can, uh, looking at their, their schedule for next week, the Pirates play the Reds first thing, and no, it looks like, it looks like, uh, Cole still gets another start this week. Okay. Um, Colin McHugh's rehab start did not go well. He's going to need another, so. I, yeah, I don't, that might be understating it. He had to call the trainer out to the mound, I believe. Oh, is so that what happened? Need, he may need more than another one. Well, thank you. I'm glad you, see? Breaking news. It's not that breaking, but thank I you. did see that on Twitter. Um, alright, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about some bopping third baseman. Ryan Healy, another homer. He's three for 14 with two homers, so walking five Ks. Mike Moustakis, 59% owned, another homer. He's four for 13 with two home runs. And Jake Lamb, another homer. So all three of these guys, Ryan Healy, Mike Moustakis, Jake Lamb, they all have two home runs so far. And Moustakis is uh, the least owned. He's 59% owned. I, has anything changed with these three? I am getting more confident in, in drafting Healy as my primary third baseman in the podcast league. Um, he's up to 86% ownership now, which is kind of surprising. But uh, he's my favorite of these three. I actually do like him more than Jake Lamb. What? Because Lamb's clear limitations against left-handed pitchers. Oh, I, wow. I would rank them Lamb, Healy, Moustakas. But this first week has kind of shown us the problem with Jake Lamb because they've faced a uh, higher percentage of lefties than they will the rest of the year. Well, yeah, I mean, they right, they faced Bumgarner and Matt Moore, and he doubled off Matt Moore, so that's good. And he stayed in the lineup against both of them, so that's also good. Uh Okay. I understand. I understand the concerns. Hey, are you hiring people? If you are, you need to learn about ZipRecruiter.com, and you need to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash strike for a free offer. Post your job on all the top job sites, all with a single click, and do it on ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. You do that all with one click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once. Watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. Look, it's really cool. It's a great website, whether you're hiring or looking for a job. But ZipRecruiter makes the hiring process really easy and efficient. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Again, sorry, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Try it for free right now. I, I gotten some feedback that we need to really um, remember the deep leagues. 
So I just wanted to mention that Tim Tebow homered in his first <laughs> at bat as a Mets minor leaguer yesterday. Oh, I was going to let Scott bring that up in the prospects section. No, <laughs> drop the ball. No, I'm running it. <laughs> it's uh, that's amazing. I mean, it's it's just amazing that that happened, right? I mean, I can agree to that. He uh, did strike out, I think, in th- his next three at bats. The AP um, but... piece on it is pretty awesome. With a 15 mile per hour wind blowing out, Tebow yeah. hit a shot just <laughs> over the 372 foot sign in left center field. Opposite field. Oppo Boppo. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, uh, he's strong. He's gonna, I guess, connect a few times, but he's gonna yeah. disconnect many more times. Fine, you wanna talk about deep leagues? I actually have a section in here for deep leagues. And other players that we need to talk about, Lance Lynn, Robbie Ray, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell. Um, but here are the, the deeply guys. I talked about Triggs. Matt Boyd had a terrible start. He's uh 23% owned. James Shields, I guess, had a good start for him. Ariel Miranda, <laughs> I'm not great. Uh Rockies pitcher Antonio Senzatella had a good start at Milwaukee. Chase Anderson had a good start against the Rockies, and Marwin Gonzalez has two home runs for the Astros. I don't think there's anybody that's like super exciting in this little deep league section. Um, like, Sensatella is interesting in that we've never seen him before, and he could be a guy that, like so many pitchers on the Rockies staff, is actually good away from course. Maybe. I feel like the upside's pretty limited for him, and, um, you know, mostly he just got a job because he happened to have a good spring. Strikeout rate's not great in the minors. I, my favorites here, are Andrew Triggs, who I think is probably 23% ownership. I think he probably deserves to be owned in most head-to-head points leagues just because of the relief pitcher eligibility. Not that this was a brilliant start or anything, only one strikeout, but it was he did fine. Um, and Matt Boyd, who was terrible yesterday, four walks. He had one walk all spring, yeah. and it's not like walks were an issue for him last year, so it, it seemed kind of like a fluky thing. Uh, he hadn't pitched in a long time because of, uh, you know, obviously the start of the season and all the off days with that. So uh, he may have just been rusty. And if you're worried about Matt Boyd's job, Anibal Sanchez came in and did just as poorly. Yeah, so. he is still Anibal Sanchez. Yeah. All right, let's go back to uh, yesterday's stuff. I think we should talk about pitchers. Let's go to the rotation. All right, five pitchers who are widely owned, some good, some bad yesterday. Marcus Stroman. Six and a third, six hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts at Tampa Bay. John Lackey gave up three runs in the first inning, but had really bad defense behind him, and then he kind of cruised. He ended up giving six uh, six innings of four-run ball, three earned, with seven strikeouts to two walks. Uh, that was That was at St. Louis. Revenge game. Lance Lynn in that same game, I think it was fine. Five and a third, five hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Jeff Samarja got roughed up at Arizona, and Robbie Ray, 91% owned. You know, there have been a few starts in this opening week. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Dallas Keuchel had the bases loaded at one point, got a ground out to end the inning. And Jamison Tyone worked out of a couple jams, including a bases. It might have been bases loaded, nobody out at Boston. Um, and it's just like, man, you give up a blooper, you give up a hit there. The line changes so much. Maybe our perception changes so much. Robbie Ray was pretty close to having a quality start. I think he walked his last batter, which was his third walk of the game. And um, 
maybe I'm thinking of Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, I think, walked his last batter, and then they removed him. Uh, but but Ray was pretty close to having quality start. He ends up going five and two thirds, gives up three runs with three walks and six strikeouts. We'll talk about Musgrove later. So I don't I don't know the line. It could have looked a little bit better for Ray, but it was like Stroman and Ray specifically. This was just kind of who they are. Or who it they was very a very Marcus Stroman starts on the good end, and a very normal Robbie Ray starts. I guess the encouraging thing is just six base runners and five and two thirds. But that's just because he only gave up three hits. He still walked three, which isn't really good. I was encouraged by Lance Lynn and his first start against probably the best offense in baseball. Um, I want to mention Samarji here because he had nine strikeouts in five and a third innings, a couple home runs, including a three-run shot to Jacob. Jake Lamb killed him. But um, there was some concern this spring about his velocity, high 80s he was throwing. He averaged like, 95 yesterday, 94, 95. So it seems like, you know, he's going to suffer from the James, the normal Jeff Samarja inconsistencies can be home run prone at times as we saw yesterday. But, um, it was interesting actually with the comparison to Lance Lynn right here. I, I had the decision late in the podcast league draft. Do I go Jeff Samarja? Do I go Lance Lynn? And one, the, the reason I decided to go Samarja is because last season, not even Samarja's best season, in fact, a season people would call kind of underwhelming for Samarja, he still scored more points, more fantasy points than Lance Lynn ever has. So I kind of feel like Samarja's just all around underrated in fantasy, and I'm not, he's not a guy I'd consider dropping after this first start. And I would say Samarja is, I don't know if I'd say overrated, but I feel like Samarja is going to lead your team in quality starts while on your bench. <laughs> that may be true. But it unless, can be frustrating. Unless you just start him at home, because he was very good in San Francisco. and I like he, Or you start him also at Coors Field, because Samarja, for some reason, destroys the Rockies every time he pitches against them, even in Coors. Um, yeah, so he frustrates me. Okay, uh, how about, let's see, how, who do you want to own in this group? Gio Gonzalez, Blake Snell gave up five five walks and four runs in six and two thirds. Tyler Skaggs, bad start. He's sixty five percent owned. That's pretty high. Joe Musgrove, uh, two runs in five innings with three walks. Jason Hamill, Jaime Garcia was okay. Really, the fringy starting pitchers did not do that well yesterday, except for except for Gio. Yeah, Snell's. Almost all the damage they did against him came in one inning, and I think he walked three straight guys and then gave up a grand slam. Uh, so that's, that's a bad stretch. But also, if you do that and then finish the game by giving up five runs or four, four earned runs and five and two thirds, six thirds, it's not he, that bad. He walked five though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, like he's, there's still control concerns. Were you torn, Heath, when, when, Kendry, Kendris Morales was up with the bases loaded off Blake Snell. Big Ken. Right. Versus Blake Snell. Who, who were you rooting for? I didn't have to root because I've got a bunch of both of them. <laughs> so I just sit back and enjoy whatever happens. <laughs> and it was a grand slam, by the way. Yes. All right. So who's your favorite? Like Geo, Snell, Skaggs, Musgrove, Hamill, Garcia. I would say Geo than Snell. Well, Geo's definitely 
My least favorite. Okay, Garcia is my least favorite. Ah, oh, the Braves my least favorite, but Gonzalez isn't very high for me. I would say Snell actually is my favorite as hard a time as I give Heath for liking him. Um, just clearly the most upside of this group. Musgrove is probably my second favorite. Yeah, I think I like Musgrove the best. I, I, I liked what I saw from Musgrove. I was watching that game, but then we had some pretty important national news that broke last night, so I stopped watching that game. But that was a guy, like, his final at bat was pretty interesting. He uh, was working at Nelson Cruz. He threw a pretty good pitch that was a strike, and Cruz may have swung at it. They granted him timeout on a 3-2 pitch, like, very, very late, and then then comes comes back and walks him, and I think they lifted him after that. Yeah, Um, I just, it's... He walked three and struck out two in five innings. It's hard for me to get too excited about that first start of the season. No, I'm not that excited, but, um, you know, good, con- 16 walks, 55 strikeouts in 62 innings last year. Kind of like Triggs. Like, I don't think the walk to strikeout ratio yesterday means as much as the walk to strikeout ratio in 50, 60 innings last year. Yeah, if, if you were making that argument over a guy that threw 180 or 200 innings last year, I think I would agree with you. It's just 50 or 60 innings. Oh, well, then let's go to the minors. I, Joe Musgrove had 41 walks and 320 strikeouts yeah. in 337 Well, I actually innings. wanted to mention that. Musgrove with the walks is kind of, like, I'm not sure he's figured out, he's figured out how much of a strike thrower he wants to be. Because his first few starts in the majors, like, he was walking nobody. And yeah. he got shelled a couple times. And he actually said after that last one, Maybe I maybe I need to be off the plate a little more. Well, I don't think he has. Maybe I'm wrong. You might disagree. I don't think he has the type of stuff to just be in the zone all the time. Maybe he doesn't. He, he's gonna have to get people to to chase, and the only problem with that would be is if he doesn't have the type of stuff to make people chase either. I, all I'm saying is, with the walks, he can quit whenever he wants. <laughs> doesn't have control over him. He can quit whenever he wants. It so, may not turn out well for him. He's still trying to figure out. How to how to walk that fine line of of let's say Snell and Musgrove are consensus favorites in some order. Uh, Finnegan ahead of both of them. Yes. Yeah. Cobb yeah. ahead of both of them. No. Right in that same range. Um. Very close. I'm I'm going to put Cobb ahead of them. Yeah. Charlie Morton ahead of either of them. No. I'm gonna say no for now too, but uh, I'm 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 pretty high on Morton. Okay, and did I have one more? I thought I did. I guess I don't. Um, all right then. Great stuff, Adam. Let's uh, talk about week two. <laughs> Scott, do we have any hitting advice, or is that gonna be on the website? Oh, it's definitely going to be on the website. It's it's kind of half-baked right now. Um, the Braves are the one team playing five games, but their matchups are very favorable. Marlins and Padres pitching staff, so it probably cancels out the five-game impact. Um, some other good matchups that I've picked out so far, I think the Mets have the best matchups. So, you know, you're Asdrubal Cabrera, Jose Reyes, maybe even Curtis Granderson. Um, Padres, Giants, this is in no particular order, by the way, Blue Jays, Indians, uh, Rockies matchups are, they got a three-game series against the, the Padres rotation, um, at Coors Field, but then they go to San Francisco for, so for four games, so, yeah, that, that's probably, I don't know that I'd call that a favorable matchup. Well, right, let me just jump in, and you said the Padres have good matchups. Hunter Renfro is off to a nice start. He is 75% owned, so for most of you, 
probably can't get him, but take a look in 10-team leagues. Take a look in some 12-team leagues. Maybe Hunter Renfro is a guy you want to add. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, he'll probably be among my top 10 sleeper hitters for this week. And I want to say— less than 80% owned. I want to say Manuel Margot, Man- Manuel Margot, uh, whatever. He just—you know, look, they face good pitching. Okay, they, they face Kershaw, they face Rich Hill, and McCarthy had a good game as well. Margot's off to a bad start, but I think it's nice that he is bad at either first or second for the Padres so far. He's 43% owned, and um, I, don't know, I just thought I'd bring that up. Three that I've, well, four that I've designated bad matchups are, and again, in no particular order, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, the Marlins, and the Phillies. So your fringies for those teams, you might think about sitting. Potentially, uh, well, it looks like three lefties on the schedule for the Diamondbacks. So probably sit Jake Lamb. Uh, Definitely sit David Peralta. Yeah, oh. Peralta, I was going to mention. Peralta, has fa- they faced two lefties as we kept talking about. Peralta started against one of them, batted seventh, and he sat the second time they faced a lefty. Uh, okay, that's good to know. Might have to get a third baseman in there instead of Jake Lamb, which, you know, that's that's a lot of work for me. I have a lot of Jake Lamb. Let's talk about pitchers then. Two start pitchers for next week. Uh, I don't let's see. the No doubters. You got Sale, Arietta, DeGrom. Ooh, DeGrom's going to have a nice week at Philadelphia, at Miami. You've got, ooh, Verlander. I know you're going to start him, but Boston and then at Cleveland. going to be a fun week for him. Um... We said start Harvey. Obviously, we're going to start Carrasco after that first start. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with the with the highly owned guys. Jeff Samarja, two home starts, Arizona and the team that he con- completely owns, Colorado. Um, I'm starting I, him. Yeah? I don't even like him that much. Okay. I would definitely start him in a points league. Yes. Roto, I'd be kind of on the fence about it. All right, that's Samarja. Let's go to his teammate, Matt Moore. Arizona and Colorado at home. Starter sit Matt Moore. They're, he's kind of the left-handed version of Samarja, I feel like. So, um, yeah, I'd start him. If I had them both, I'd start Samarja over him. Adam Wainwright at Washington and at the Yankees. No. 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 Garrett Richards, I guess we should wait and see. Texas and then at Kansas City. Yeah, we'll I'm see. I'm not doing that even if he's... Starting. Oh, I would. I would. Um, I don't know how you can expect more than five. five I don't. Innings. But the fact you're getting two starts, uh, you know, the total number of innings and is the that, total number of strikeouts that goes with it should be pretty good. Is the Rangers start in Texas or in at home? They're they're both. No, the Rangers start is at Los home. Angeles, and then yeah, okay, and then that, at that Kansas City. Yep. Michael Pineda, two home starts against Tampa Bay and St. Louis. Can't do it. Probably not. Can't do it. Uh, Tyone, we're going to start, even though one of the starts is at Chicago. I think you got to start him. Uh, Taiwan Walker at San Francisco and at the Dodgers. These are tough calls this week, man. I lean yes on Walker. And I was probably too dismissive saying can't do it on Pineda. Um, I, there would probably be some instances where I would, but I would not feel comfortable about it. And I don't feel comfortable about Walker either. It's just hard when – it's hard to leave that two-star guy, particularly in a points league, sitting on your bench because it's like if I can't even trust him in a two-star week, why is he here? Well, let's talk about that, okay? Points league versus Roto league. And this will be – we get asked about this. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, I'm sure you've already heard this, but first time saying it this year. In a points league, like it is hard. A pitcher has to be so bad to have a negative point total. 
So it's hard to to leave a guy on your bench if he has two starts. Um, yeah, you really only need one of the starts to be good, and if they both happen to be good, that's amazing. Yeah, in a roto league, when you're talking about ratios, ERA and WHIP especially, it's it's a much different ball game, and then you don't want to just throw out guys who who might hurt you in two ratios, even if you're going to get some strikeouts and maybe a win or two. It's it's a lot yeah. different. Like Pineda, you're going to be much more likely to start this week until we see something good from him. Much more likely to start him if you own him in a points league than a roto league. Uh, all right, I'm, I uh, let, let me just pick out some guys who might be available. Jared Eikhoff, Jarrell Cotton, and Brandon Finnegan are seventy to eighty percent owned. So, yeah. yeah, what do you think, Scott, about those three? Finne- Eikhoff, Cotton, Finnegan's Finnegan. my favorite of the three. I think he's should be started across the board. Um, the matchups for the other two, for Eikhoff, they're not so great, but he's a good enough pitcher that I'd lean towards starting him and Cotton. They're decent matchups at Kansas City and versus Houston. Not a, not as excited about either of those two as Finnegan, but I think they're both worthy starts. I, yeah, I'm definitely starting Eikhoff. I'm definitely starting Finnegan. I, I'm not excited about starting Cotton. Other guys we could pick up that are owned in less than 70% of leagues. Alex Cobb at the Yankees and at Boston. So I actually, I'm not sure how I feel about this. As much as I like Cobb, I'm yeah, not sure this week. This might be a guy I leave on my bench. For two starts. And then complain about it all week next week? But that doesn't mean I'm gonna bench him. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm gonna drop him if he struggles. Don't, uh, don't bench Carlos Carrasco for him. No, <laughs> well Carrasco has two starts, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dan Straley. Yeah, two home starts against Atlanta and the Mets. 58% owned. Mm, it's not a bad matchup. If you're really hurting for a two-star pitcher, I could get behind it. I'm, I'm not going out of my way to add him, though. I'd rather have Charlie Morton, who's 47% on, than yes. Straley. In fact, Morton, of the, starting with Eikhoff, the, the ones owned in less than 80% of leagues, Morton might be my second favorite two-start option to Finnegan. Luis Severino is 50% on. Boy, that would be a huge risk starting him. Tampa Bay and St. Louis. I would not nope. recommend it. Nope. And man, though, if you he's if you could start him as a Sparp with yeah. two starts, yeah, no, I think Sparp probably have to do that. Sparp changes the game. Yeah, I don't know if you have to do that. I mean, like he, this guy you don't have to. But well, if it, you like, it would be the gutsy move that potentially makes all the difference. Hypothetically, if you were in an auction and you had Neftali Feliz for three dollars as one of your closers, <laughs> I would rather start Severino over Feliz. <laughs> uh, in a roto league or a points league? Points league. Yeah, uh, probably. Yes, I agree. Because three dollar Neptali is gonna haunt me forever. Chatwood, <laughs> uh Glassnow, Pomeranz. Pomeranz is kinda interesting. Sixty four percent owned, Baltimore and Tampa Bay at home. Matt Bo- I don't know how confident I feel in Pomeranz making two starts. No, you're supposed yeah, to start Tuesday. That's true. I I think I'd rather start Glassnow actually. Yeah. Probably just in a points league, but that first Matchup against Cincinnati is very tasty. At Chicago Cubs, okay, that might be a problem. But, again, you just need one of those two starts to be good. And maybe he'll surprise us against the Cubs. He certainly has the ability. All right, any of these guys in deep leagues? Boyd, Minnesota and at Cleveland. Cahill, James Shields, Hector Santiago, Rookie Davis, Willie Peralta, and Antonio Senzatella. I'd give half a thought to Boyd and Peralta. In a deep league. Uh, not saying it's automatic if you have, if it means you're having to sit a reliable ERA and whip one star pitcher, probably don't do it. 
but I could see it. I could see it working out pretty well. Boyd has a matchup against the Twins. Peralta has a matchup at Cincinnati. I could see that going pretty well for them. Scott, are you feeling Willie Peralta at all? Because I, I, Heath and Chris absolutely are not. And I, I am. No, I am. He was his second half was what do you have like a two forty ERA or something? And I think it was like two ninety. Okay. After well, he really after good. he got recalled, he had a two ninety two. Yeah. I think ERA. Willie Peralta. No, he was he was one of those pitchers who coming off of last season I pegged as I'm gonna like this guy's a sleeper next year and there was just way too many pitchers to like for him to even enter this discussion. Mike Fultonevich was kinda of that way too. Um but yeah, I, I think uh it would not surprise me at all if that ten percent ownership is more like fifty or sixty by the end of the month. Okay. Emails. This is from, oh, no name here, sorry. He says, Dear Rick, Ezekiel, and Maggie. That is also The Walking Dead. I knew that. I, I knew I was going to say that. 10-team mixed dynasty league. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Head-to-head categories. Um, with promising starts from Brandon Finnegan and Dylan Bundy, would you add either or both in exchange for Jose Quintana or Michael Fulmer? Rank the four pitchers in this dynasty league. Uh... In a dynasty league, it definitely changes the equation. If I was just ranking for this year, it'd still be Quintana, Fulmer, Bundy, Finnegan. <sighs> yeah, right? Oh, man. But in a dynasty... I kind of want to go Bundy you after Quintana. You're overthinking it. Quintana is not old enough to where you really expect him to get worse over the next three years. Yeah. So I'm st- I'm not changing my dynasty rankings either. I'm sticking the same. I think you start trying to project out five or six years from now, and that's stupid. Well, yeah. No, they're all great dynasty options. I go, I'll I'll move Bundy ahead of Fulmer for dynasty league purposes, though, and, and Finnegan's still bringing up the rear. Fulmer's younger than Bundy, right? He may be. Yeah, I just think Bundy's better. I should say this about Bundy. Throwing the slider this year, they didn't let him throw the slider previously because they were worried about his arm. This is a guy with major injury history. That's probably the one thing that scares me the most with Bundy. Uh, you know, I feel like I don't want to forecast an injury, but I, I you know, I, of all the pitchers, of all the pitchers in baseball, Dylan Bundy feels to be like one of the more likely ones to get hurt. So you're forecasting an injury? No. Yeah, maybe. No, maybe. That's probably fair, but I do want to point out that Every injury Bundy suffered was related to Tommy John surgery and the recovery from it. It like everything, everything points back to that. So you could sum it up as just one career-altering injury. Okay. Uh, by the way, that email was from Lucille from Virginia. I don't think that's really a person named Lucille. I think that is a Walking Dead reference. This is from Ganiks from Honolulu. Aloha. First time, uh, I think this is a, yeah, first time fantasy baseballer. I'm still learning the point system and how the starting lineup adjustments can be made per day as compared to the football season. I loaded up on aces. Help me compete and make my way to the playoffs in my inaugural season of fantasy baseball. Give Ganiks a quick rookie tip. <laughs> um, uh, so. <laughs> You're, you want to target your waiver wire money on hitters. If you spent that type of assets in the draft on starting pitching, I'm going to assume your hitting is a little bit weaker than everyone else. And you may have to go with a little bit of the Scott White approach of uh, chasing hot streaks. Also, don't sit 
any of Kershaw, Bumgarner, Archer, or Lester for a two-star pitcher, like even like a two-star Brandon Finnegan or somebody. Like, don't do it. Stick with the one-star guys. But these are this is a league with daily lineup setting, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, this we don't have enough time for this question because we're running out of time. <laughs> I, I, this would take us the whole time. So this is from Dale. We bombed that so bad. <laughs> Again, it's another one that's... Never, he's going to stop listening to I, I do think too. at least Dale's intro gives us fun names to guess. Uh, you have you have a, you have have an outfielder on your bench. You have an infielder on your bench to mix in when your starters are having an off day. And then you have a lot of pitchers on your bench to mix in. And, uh, you know, if they're not great ERA and whip starters on the on waiver wire, you mix in some middle relievers when your starting pitchers are off. I'm skipping uh, Dale's email. This is from Ian. Sorry, Dale. Would you drop Blake Snell in a keeper league for Dylan Bundy? Yes. Uh, I I probably would. I don't know. Is it a points league? Do I get this, this spark eligibility for Bundy for another taking year? Taking way too long. No. Okay. And last one is from Bernard oh, in Dublin. <laughs> Do you think JT Realmuto's hot start is worth a sell high? Or do you think he'll continue to produce? Team name Tuesday submission, a lead miss to reintroduce myself. Pretty good. Not bad. Um, I would not count on him being a power hitter like he's looked so far. So, yeah, if you can get... I mean, what's selling high at catcher? Because I assume he's your primary and only catcher. Uh, you'd pretty much have to trade him for, like, Wilson Contreras or higher, right? Uh, Maybe yeah. see what you what you have to include with him to get uh, a good catcher. Like well, how about Gaddis? Would you trade okay. him for Gaddis? I did. I would not anymore. <sighs> I don't Why? know. It'd be a close call in a in a points league. It'd be a close call in a roto. I think I'd do that. He yeah. should have been my biggest follower from earlier because I I've been scared by the Astros lineup well, situation. He started, he started two of their four games. I yeah, don't if know. he play, if he starts half of their games, it's going to be a bad bad year for Evan Gaddis. That's kind I of don't know that that's true. That's kind of he'll, pro- he'll probably start a little more. If he starts 81 game. games, he's going to be the biggest bust of the year. Um, I don't know if that's true. You I think can't be good I think in 81 still, games. I think he'd still hit around 20 homers. That's, that's with all the pinch hit appearances. The, then he's an AL only catcher. No, he's well, 20 home runs is a mixed league catcher, but he's not going to be like a, the number six catcher or something like that. I think a worst starts. case. I mean, this is going way back, and maybe nobody's going to get it. But like, I think a worst case scenario for Gaddis is what Mike Napoli was for the Angels. Like, he was never the primary catcher, but he got enough at bats and was a powerful enough hitter that he was still plenty useful in fantasy. That's it for the show, everybody. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. I want to thank you for uh, being with us for the preseason and for week one. Hope you're 1-0 when we talk to you on Monday. See ya.